Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. As always, the uh, Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always time for a good ice-cold coffee. Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, but as always, we ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, let's uh, go to our guest here on episode 136 of the Red and White Authority. That, of course, is Red Wing Robbie Fabry. Now, Robbie, I just want to, I've heard Fabray, Fabry, how do you want your name pronounced? (laughs) It's Fabry. Fabry. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that, you think that, is it mispronounced a lot, or do you hear Fabre a lot, or? I get a lot of Fabri. Fabri? Yeah. Because of the the spray? Yeah, like the Fabris, yeah, yeah. So I get a little of that, but um, no, yeah, it's Fabri. Fabri. Okay, well, Robbie Fabri joins us. Uh, First of all, welcome, welcome. I would imagine, and you know, I'll jump a little bit over. I know as usual, but you win the Stanley Cup. You're a high draft pick of the Blues. You had some devastating knee injuries where you know you had to sit out a full year. Uh, yet, when you're healthy, you produced as a player. I, I think everybody just look at the statistics, and you 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 produced. But for whatever reason, it wasn't happening this year. Uh, can you take us through your whole mindset that did you approach the Blues about, look, I know you had drafted me. I know I won the Cup. I got a lot of buddies here. I love the city. Boom, 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 boom. But please, I think maybe it's time to go. How does that whole trade scenario kind of play itself out? Um, yeah, so I, I'm kind of new to the situation. Uh, mm-hmm. First time getting traded. Um, didn't really know how to go about things, but... Um, yeah, it was a little bit of a, a tough goal personally, um, coming off the injuries, uh, having a few more last year, you know, only playing around 30, 30 something games. Um, it, it was definitely tough, but, uh, you know, I spent the summer, you know, getting ready to, to come back in and wanted to, wanted to make it work. You know, I'm not a type of person to just give up on something and, and, you know, ask to be moved on or whatever. And, um, and it still wasn't happening, and I felt like I was, you know, doing what I can to to make things work, and so it, it was time for me to approach them, and um, you know, just said with no hard feelings, I understand the business side of things, and you know, you guys got got your guys that you know help you win a Stanley Cup, and um, you know, I was a, a piece of it, but you know, not not a big piece of the puzzle, and um, they had guys that were were producing for them, and. Um, I just thought it was time that we uh, both moved on. Wait, do you talk it over with some of your teammates beforehand? When you or do you just go to your agent? Do you keep it hush hush, or or do guys know? Do you do you have teammates coming up to you and saying, oh, "Come on, Robbie, just you know, just, just just you know, hold on a little bit longer," because they probably because you're buddies with them. You know, you you know, you've shared a lot of great moments together. You want to cup together. Uh, is it difficult to make that decision? And do you just then, as I said, call your agent and just go to him? Or do you go to the GM or whomever and say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, yeah, so my you don't want to, you know, cause a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I definitely had, you know, particular guys that understood the situation I was in and, um, you know, would approach me just to chat and, um, and, and to talk about things. But, you know, around the room, um, I was never trying to make my problems a team problem. So, you know, that was between me, my agent, and my family. And, um, you know, we came up with the decision that way. 
you get traded to the Detroit Red Wings. So, you know, it, you, we all know the situation. The Red Wings are in a definite rebuild. So you go from, you know, the top of the mountaintop to the holding the, you know, the Holy Grail, the Stanley Cup, to coming to a team that is rebuilding. Do you – were you happy because you knew you would get an opportunity? Uh, you know, obviously the Red Wings' original six franchise. You're from Toronto, so, you know, you, you understand the whole original six thing. Uh were you just relieved to finally, gosh, you know, I hate to leave St. Louis, but I'm going to a team where I'm going to get a chance? Yeah, you know, like you said about the memories, like I, I went in there when I was 19 and, you know, those guys will be uh, friends forever. And, um, you know, so it's definitely tough to leave. But um, when I was told I was traded, it was, you know, kind of like a weight off my shoulders. Um, you know, I was excited again. I, I knew I was going to get an opportunity. I was hungry to take advantage of it. Um, you know, I have, you know, had some friends here, so I knew I was gonna, I was going to feel, you know, comfortable coming in and, um, you know, it, it's just Detroit's always been a team, you know, like I said, from Toronto, I've grown yeah. up, you know, they've had great, great years and, um, you know, they're, they're rebuilding, but, you know, that's something that's, you know, fun to be a part of, um, you know, it's exciting to look forward and, and to work to try and, uh, get things going. How did you find out? Is it your agent that calls you? Does the team inform you? Or all of a sudden you get a, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, and I don't know what his area code is, but you get like a 313 and you say, what, who's this? And it turns out to be Steve Eiserman welcoming you to Detroit. Uh, no, uh, Doug Armstrong told me. Um, we were in Edmonton, so he told me after the game. And then um, I got a few calls from, from guys over here. And then you just checked the flights out to Detroit and... Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's kind of sad because it's probably a quick goodbye. You probably would have liked to spend a little more time with your with the guys a little bit, but you know you've got to hustle here to uh, to become a Red Wing. Yeah, yeah. So being over in um, Edmonton, I actually spent the night there, um, and so did the team. So you know I was able to you know say bye to them and and hang out with them for a bit. But you know early flight out in the morning and um, you know just. Spent that day flying over and and got over here as quick as possible. You know, are all rooms basically the same, or when you walked into the Red Wing room, was it a little different feeling? Obviously, you know Tyler. You played with Tyler. Uh, Giovanni Smith knows you. Uh, you know, I think you know Dylan a little bit. I mean, so, you, so like you said, there is some familiarity, but what was it like to walk into to that room with all those pictures of, you know, basically almost all of them are in the Hall of Fame uh, uh, in, in the Red Wing room? What was that experience like? Um, you know, it was, I remember walking in and I think it took me about, you know, a few days to actually see everything in that, in this rink and in that room. And, you know, it's such a great facility. It was, uh, it was awesome to see. And, um, you know, like, like you said, seeing all those pictures on the wall and, um, even the faces that are just around here, it's, it's awesome to have, uh, you know, that experience and those types of guys and. Do you do you talk to Tyler and say, hey, what's this team like? Do you you know guy? Do you rely on these guys a little bit, or does everybody kind of have to forge their own path? Um, no, I didn't. Ask. It's a hockey room, right? So I walked in, and <laughs> um, you know, it's such a great group here. It was it was awesome right away, which um, you know definitely helps a player, you know, coming into a new team. But um, you know, everyone was great introducing themselves and. 
you know, giving me the little bits and pieces, uh, showing me around or whatever. So, you know, it was, it was awesome right off the bat. Does Steve tell you, give, does he meet you, give you an expectation, tell you why he traded for you? Is it Blash? Or do you know pretty much the situation you're walking into? Um, yeah, Mr. Eisenman was in, uh, in Europe at the time. And uh, so I, I talked to him when he got back. But, yeah, no, I kind of talked to Blash about, you know, what was going to happen, what what I was going to expect, and, you know, what he expected out of me, and um, kind of just left it up to me after that. You know, I mean, you start off great. Two goals, and, you know, first Red Wing make his debut. I think they were both on the power play. I'm going by the top of my mind, you know, off my head. You know, power play has been really up and down for this team the last few years. Uh, uh, I know this sounds corny, but you couldn't have probably written your debut any better. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I hadn't played in in a while in St. Louis. I was scratched, um, and I I just wanted to come out and you know get my legs under me and you know play hard and and play what was given and um, you know it's uh, it was funny that both passes were from from Bird as well. But uh, no, that was it was an exciting day. I had my family and my girlfriend there, so. Um, you know, it's just awesome for them to experience as well. Uh, now, I've asked a few Red Wings this over the years. You're playing in a border city. As a matter of fact, we like to joke around here in Detroit that I guess the city of Detroit is the only place where Canada is south of the United States because Windsor, you know, the journey songs, you know, South Detroit is actually Windsor, Ontario. Uh, is it different for you are you glad you're closer to canada you're closer to your family nothing against the blues obviously i mean guys are spread all over the league but uh the sense of playing in a border city having maybe a fan base that is not totally canadian like but maybe understands the game not that fans in st louis don't but i'm just saying that that you really are in a hockey town you really are in a hockey market yeah you can definitely you know feel that right away um, you know, it, it's been a, a tough year, you know, you, you can't sugarcoat it, but, uh, the fans are, are still there. They're, they're still coming, still supporting and, 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 and they understand it and they understand what's going on and they know the game. And, um, yeah, no, definitely being, you know, close to home. It's, it's nice. You know, I think my, my mom and dad like it a little bit more than, <laughs> than I do maybe, but, uh, no, it, it's been good. Um, you know, ever since getting here and, um, you know, they've been able to get to some games and, and stuff because it, it was a 12-hour drive or pretty expensive plane ride to get out to St. Louis. So, you know, it's nice for them as well. Did you always have to pick up the plane ride? or? Uh, yeah, I did majority. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted them to come watch the games as much as they did. So, you know, I always offer. So that's good. So, you know, I mean, obviously, even paying, well, who knows, the price of gas. I mean, it might be might cost like a ticket but uh, you know going down the 401s it's it's pretty nice i would imagine it yeah it's right there yeah i did that drive uh to go home for christmas and and back and you know it's pretty easy you know is it is you know they always say the 401 there's more accidents on that road than any because it's a straight line there's not a lot of curves so people end up falling asleep did you find yourself being tired uh no no, I was okay. Good. I was okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad, Robbie. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's all we need. You know, Robbie Fabre injured in a falls asleep at the wheel. But uh, um, let's go back to growing up in Toronto. Uh, you know, I joked around being from Detroit that 
I didn't even know Ontario wasn't a state till I was like 14 years old because we were in Canada so much. So there seems to be at least an affinity for Ontario with Michiganders or people from Detroit. Uh, what experience was it like for you growing up in Toronto, which I would imagine exploded population-wise while you were growing up? At one time, Detroit and Toronto were almost the same population-wise. Obviously, Toronto's the largest city in Canada, I think by far now. Uh, can you talk about your experience growing up and what led you to hockey? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Mississauga, just outside of Toronto. Um, Do you see Don Cherry a lot with his ice dogs or no? Yeah, yeah, I was. I loved going to Ice Dogs games as a, as a kid. Uh, my dad would always would take me and my brother. But uh, yeah, I, I have an older brother, three years older. So from when I can remember, I was watching him play hockey, and you know, like the little brother, you want to do what your older brother's doing. Right. And um, I got in that way, and you know, we'd always play street hockey. You know, the, my dad would go in net, and me and my brother would play against each other. So. Um, Pretty hockey-oriented family from the start, and um, you know, just just loved it right away. When you, when does it click in that you like playing hockey, you have a passion for it, but you also have a talent for it? Um, I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure when when that kicked in. I was you you're just so focused on you know getting to where you want to be so you know your mindset's always you know you got to get better you got to get stronger you got to get faster you got to work on your hands in the garage or you know the little things growing up and um you know I never took anything really for granted and um you know just wanted to keep working and working to get to to play in the league that I grew up watching you know 2011 and 12 you're playing for the Mississauga Rebels you have 105 points in 60 games at that point if let's say you were in the United States at that point people would see that and you would get agents you get all kinds of people sniffing around just to see what your plans are or hey I can help you out after that season is is does that when it maybe clicks in maybe for your entire family my gosh little Robbie could be a professional hockey player yeah, I think uh, around 14 um, is when I got with my agents. Um, and uh, it's still kind of young there, you know. <laughs> they're still they're educating, you know, me and my family on it. And, uh, you know, you kind of, you know, they kind of tell you you got a shot at this and, you know, this, these are the steps and this is what you got to do and, and all that. So, um, you know, I've been with the same agent since I was 14 and, um, you know, they've been great. But... Uh, yeah, I think around there, the things start getting a little crazier. When, um, how do you? T I mean, you're 14, and that's the thing that's always amazed me about all professional athletes. But at very young ages, where most kids are starting to just go through adolescence and maybe looking forward to getting their driver's license, you have to make a really conscious decision at a very young age to dedicate your life to hockey. I know it's probably because you're so young, you know, you, that's what you want to do. Yeah. But when you look back on it, are you a little bit amazed that at 14 you had the wherewithal to put your mind to something and actually see it through? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, just when you love something, right? That's right. what you want to spend your time, your extra time doing. 
Um, you know, you get home from school and you want to go play street hockey with your friends or, you know, it's, it's pretty much just hockey all the time and seven o'clock hits, you're, you know, you're on the couch with your family watching and um, that's kind of just, you know, the way I've grown up and um, yeah, it, I mean, it's like anything, you know, instruments, you know, kids grow up, you know, when you love something, it, it's not hard to dedicate um, time to. When you uh, look at it, you get drafted by Guelph. You're you're part of the Guelph Storm. You win an OHL. You know you win everything, and uh, you're playing with Tyler. Uh, I mean, was this a slow developing relationship, or as soon as you guys became teammates, where did you bond with him? Or you know, is it because uh, uh, you know Tyler seems to be a guy and who's pretty funny, pretty observant, says some things, but you got to. You got to really listen closely because he has a sharp wit, but he's not going to say it twice. You know, boom, and he and he moves on. How did that relationship develop? Um, well, I think we were both pretty outgoing guys. Um, you know, decently loud and and, and like to have fun and joke around. So um, I think we hit it off right away. You know, we were in school together, so um, you know there were a bunch of us there, but we would spend the day together and then go to the rink. So we were, we spent a lot of time together right away and. Um, yeah, I think it just clicked right away. Do, how, do, does that make this transition to Detroit easier because he is here? I mean, I know you've teamed up on a, on a number of goals here as Red Wings, and you know he leads the team in scoring. But uh, uh, even though you're good buddies, your styles are obviously a little bit different. Every player is. But uh, uh, having Tyler here, has that really helped you out as you acclimate yourself to not only – being on the team but also to this area yeah um you know like I said having him here um I play with uh Bowie at the the world juniors um so having those faces to to come in and guys that you you feel comfortable with right away that you know you want to ask something but you don't really know who to go to though you know those would be the guys and um I live in the same building as Bert now so you know if I, I need a dinner recommendation or something you know for me and my girlfriend you know he's the guy I'd ask and um, so it definitely helped, yeah. When you uh, uh, look at what the team's going through now, uh, and, and I know I asked you this before, you're always supremely confident in your own ability, uh, and you're here in Detroit, you're getting the opportunity that, you know, that you've earned, that you definitely deserve. You're producing points on a team that you know has had ups and downs, and you know we, we don't need to document it. I think we're all well aware of the situation the Red Wings are in, as you indicated, but do you have a sense of personal satisfaction because you are the because you are the player that maybe you thought you were? I mean, did, you know, I, I would imagine at St. Louis as you're getting these knee injuries that you know, you got to think, okay, I'm going to come back from it. I'm going to work myself back. But was there ever any self doubt? You know, but how far back can I actually get? Or has Detroit shown you that you are definitely still the guy that was drafted, like, what, 20th or whatever overall by the Blues? Um, yeah, you know, it's definitely tough. You know, the mental part of going through that is definitely the toughest part. Um, coming back from those surgeries, you know, that, that wasn't the hard part. It was, it was the mental grind of it. And, uh, you know, not having a great year last year, uh, you know, getting in and when I was in, in a different role than I was used to. And, um, you know, you, you definitely have some doubt. It's, it's, it's tough to, to always think that, um, you know, you, you were what you, you are what you were before the injuries. 
um, when it's been so long. Um, so early, yeah, you know, personal satisfaction that, hey, like, told myself I can do this for, for three years when I wasn't doing it, and I still can. Um, but there's definitely things that, you know, in, in three years you lose that you, you got to get back, and there's there's still things, parts of the game that, you know, I still got to catch up on and, and get better at. So, um, you know, early satisfaction, but in the back of the head, and, uh, you know, just keep you know, trying to do more and do more to get better. When you're going through those periods, and I think we've all experienced them, regardless of what we do in life, I know you can rely on your family, but is it really always up to you? You know, you almost are playing a mind game with yourself. I mean, you know, not that people are going to say, wow, what's wrong with Robbie Fabry? He's talking to himself in his stall. But you know what I mean, that, you know, you kind of have uh, a conversation in your head all the time or do you really need a support staff to help you get through it? Or is it basically you just have to draw that line in the sand and say, I'm going to do it? Yeah, like I, I'd like to say I'm pretty mentally tough, um, you know, to get through things. And, you know, I, I'm a strong believer and I grew up, you know, things happen for a reason. So, um, you know, whenever I, I was doubting something or getting down on myself, you know, that's what I always thought. And, um yeah, after the second surgery, I spent the whole year in Toronto, which was amazing. I was with a great team with Matt Nickel and and those guys mm-hmm. um, at the Biosteel, um, and I was close to my family, and you know I had my girlfriend there. So, um, you know, hats off to you know my family and, and my <laughs> girlfriend because um, you know sometimes that was tough to handle. You know, it, it gets tough. Uh, I'm not going to say every day was sunshine and, and, and fun. You know, I had some grumpy days and uh, some grumpy weeks. And, 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 you know, they were there to always, you know, get my mind off it and, and just, you know, remind me that there's more than, than just hockey, you know, in, in certain times that, you know, you, you got to enjoy it. When you, you know, I, I find it really interesting when you talk about that because you have the one knee injury. You come back from that, but then you get hurt actually during training and you have to miss a whole year. Was that really? Would that be your lowest point? Like, okay, I came back from one. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working. Everything's starting to come together, and bam, it, you know, it essentially happens again. Yeah, I. Uh, that's one time I'll admit I, I, I broke down pretty bad uh-huh. um, getting that news. Um, you know, you work so hard for I think it was uh, six and a half, seven months. Um, I was a little on the, the early stage coming back, you know, um, and it happened again. Um, just just the mind, just thinking that you, you have to do it all over again. And now this time it was going to be a full year, not just half a season. And I was going to be out for a season and a half. You know, that was definitely tough. Um, so like I said, you know, being in Toronto, you know, it sucked being away from the guys and the team. And, um, you know, they're always great too to, to, to keep your spirits up. Right. But... Um, I thought it was important, you know, to be on my own and, and really focus and be by my family and, and my girlfriend. And, you know, that definitely helped a lot. Well, good. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, well, I, I can tell you Red Wing fans are ecstatic. I mean, certainly. Uh, and I think Robbie Fabry fans are, are, are ecstatic. I want to go back to, uh, uh, to St. Louis and winning the Cup. It's an extraordinary story simply because even though this team 
this team, you know, it, the Blues didn't come out of nowhere. You guys were a good team for a number of years, and people always thought that you were always on the cusp of winning, kind of like the Red Wings before they finally won it back in 97. Um, but this whole, there's a number of factors, but this whole Laura Branigan glorious song, uh, I always have liked that song. I did a, you know, it's to a point of where people thought I had to hand in my man card because, you know, because you, you don't really think that, you know, God, this is going to re- be a song that, you know, guys get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're part of the whole Gloria phenomena. If you can explain it to the fans, I mean, this was the song that the, the team, the city of St. Louis, everybody rallied behind. Yeah, it, uh, it was pretty crazy, um, you know, how it kind of took off. But, uh, you know, we were in Philadelphia, um, and there was a group of five or six of us guys that we had a friend in Philadelphia that uh, was a member at this bar that just all his home, like younger friends that right. he grew up with and, you know, just neighborhood friends built for them to watch football and, you know, little guys, um, members club. And so he took us there for the Eagles um, playoff game. Uh, and, at, and they had a DJ. So at every uh, commercial, they would play music. And I think by the, the third time Gloria came on, we kind of caught on and we were like, What's the, why do they keep playing this song and we're asking whatever and then by the end of the game uh, as these guys had more and more drinks uh, every time there was a commercial the whole bar would yell play Gloria play Gloria so they would play it and everyone would sing and everyone's standing up going nuts to it and we're like wow this is awesome and at the time we were we were having a, a tough time ourselves right. um, and we played Philly the next day and it was ben- Bennington's first game and, and he got his win and um, Steen was like, okay, we're going to play Gloria as our win song and, and see how the guys like it. And we played it. And so you've got no, no flack. I mean, you guys won. So that was your victory song. Yeah. And then we kind of went on a streak after that and, you know, kind of caught on with us. And then, um, you know, fans started catching on and the media were, was asking about it and took off from there. You know, it, it, it's really, you know, unfortunately, Laura Branigan passed away so she was not part of the whole hoopla uh but uh it's odd i mean you a moment at a at a a a club in philadelphia turns into this phenomena uh did you how instrumental do you think the song gloria was and you fellas rallying as a team and winning the stanley cup yeah i i think it was it was more about getting uh the fans to to feel like they're part of it and and to rally with us with this song and uh, you know they had as much fun with it as we did and, and and that definitely sparked you know a little bit with us as well. I know you're a Red Wing, but be honest now, Robbie. Do you, do you still play Gloria? No, no. I I've heard that <laughs> that song so many times. Um, I, I'm taking a little break from it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another tremendous story that all kind of, if you really look at the whole Blues run, there were so many factors that go into it. Obviously, you guys playing as a team and winning and coming together is, is, is the number one factor. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I believe it's Layla Anderson or Lila Anderson. I, you know, I, I, her inspirational story, and I think... It was a story. What makes this story so great is that you both kind of fed off each other. You know, you guys really rallied 
behind her, and she was so into you, fellas. I mean, that's that's probably that human side of sports that is maybe even sometimes better than winning. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if, if you ask, you know, players across the league, you know, the, the hospital visits that we do are, are, are one of the best and one of our favorites that we, we love to do, um, just to interact with them. And uh, she was one that caught a few of the guys' eyes. And um, I think it was Steen and Pareko, you know, kept in contact with her. And, um, you know, it was just always nice to know that, you know, we're playing for more than, than just each other, that there's there's people out there like Layla that, um, you know, get joy from watching us and, and all that. And um, when she was able, finally able to get cleared to come to a game, um, you know, it was special for us. You know, we, we knew she was coming and um, the guys were excited. And, and, you know, like you said, we were rallying behind her and she was rallying behind us. When you look at it, you, you throw it all in, Gloria, uh, little Layla, the the whole thing, and then you finally win it. When you win the cup, is it an emotional release? Is it is it just total euphoria? Uh, do you get reflective? Not sad, but you know you think, wow, you know here I was at you know when I was a Mississauga Rebel, I dreamt of this moment, and it's actually here. Yeah, no, I think it was more just excitement. Um... You know, you don't know really what to do. It's uh, like it was a, all of our first times and everyone just, you know, so excited. And um, you don't really have time to, I think the reflecting takes um, a week to set in mm-hmm. after all the partying and the celebrating and everything. Because in the moment you're just hugging everyone you, you know you don't know what to do you're excited and then you know you, you go home for the summer and you sit down you see your family again and you're like wow you know that, that was that was pretty crazy what was it like to be in a city that won the cup for the very first time the blues have been around for a number of years part of the next six first the original six and then the next six franchises so it's been a hockey city hockey town for a long time i i would imagine that the momentum from the fan base must have each round you advance as you get closer and closer that must have just been the dominant story in that city yeah it uh it was definitely crazy um you know you you can tell how much they rallied behind us and um that parade was something crazy um how many people showed up i i think the it was almost 80% of the city the population was there or something like that. And it, it was pretty crazy. It was, it was cool to be a part of. And, um, you know, you, you, that's something you'll remember forever. You know, now you're here in Detroit and we're going to wrap this up because I know we only have you for a limited amount of time. Uh, but this has been a real difficult year yet. There's, there have been moments where I think looking back and, you know, as a lifelong Red Wing fan, which, you know, which I am, that it's been odd how quickly a game can turn. It's not that the team has been totally terrible, but one or two mistakes. How do you work past that? What, where, what do you think the team needs to do in order to, when one goal is scored, it doesn't snowball into two or three. Or, and I know it's easy to say play better. I get that, but it's got to be frustrating. Or at least, if I were a Red Wing, I'd be frustrated because it's like, God, we were 
played really good hockey for most of this game. You know, I mean, how do you how do you kind of deal with all that? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that's a tough part to to swallow after some games. You know, like you said, it's just a couple mistakes or a couple you know bounces that go against us or something. Um, when it's when it's going like that, you know the the, the spirits get down pretty quick and. Um, you know, second periods have kind of been when it's been happening and um, something will, will happen against us and, you know, the the bench just gets quieter or something like that. It's it, it's a tough spot to be in. But, you know, a lot of these games, like you said, we're, we're playing well for, you know, a, a two periods, whatever, and we're, we're, we're within one and then it ends up 5-1 or, or, or something like that. It's, uh, it's tough. It's... Uh, you not I don't want to say play better it's more of you know just not letting things get to us and you know sticking to the system and um you know not not getting away from our game to let it snowball into into two or three goals when something like that happens well there's there's 20 guys that dress every night you know usually 12 forwards uh uh, uh you know six defensemen and two goaltenders um, when it's happening, are you at a point now where you're established, you're a Detroit Red Wing, that do you say something? Do you try to go out there? Because I think what happens is is that the guys try too hard, you know, grip the stick or, you know, oh, God, we got to make something going or, uh-oh, it's this snowball effect can happen again. I mean, how how do you try to deal with it or manage it? Or do you go to Bird or anybody and you say, listen, we gotta we got to stop this. Is there is it more talk? I I mean because I, I I'm sure where it is at this point is that sometimes maybe are you guys at a loss for words or you feel it you just can't stop the bleeding. I mean it's got to be confounding for you. Yeah, I mean I think uh, you know the leaders on this group do a great job. You know in the room and you know everyone pipes up here and there. Um, you know, I, if I notice something or want to say something, you know, I feel comfortable now that I can. But I think I'm more of a, you know, I want to go out and, and try and say something with, with my game and, and, and go try and get some momentum somehow, whether it's, a, you know, just a, a good offensive shift or a hit or, or something and um, just try to get something going. But, um, no, like this, this, team's, this team's awfully close and um, it's not like we're giving up on each other in there. You know, everyone... It's still on the same page. It's just going tough. I don't, right. I don't know. Hey, yeah, I, it's, I mean, uh, you know, from covering it and being, again, as I said, for like the umpteenth billionth time, being a lifelong Red Wing fan, I mean, I, I've seen the goods and the bads and everything, but this year just seems to be so odd because it doesn't seem like, and I guess this is a fan's lament, that the breaks are going your way. I mean, you know, do you ever look and think, you know, hockey gods curse you or anything like that? Or Yeah, you know, it gets frustrating. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't rely on bounces to win games and, right. and things like that. You know, you know, sometimes they, they go against us and, you know, like that uh, that goal the other night when they rimmed it in and it popped out out front, uh, you know, just a bounce like that. But, um, no, I mean we gotta we gotta create our own luck right i've always right. i've always you know lived by that you know you're not lucky you create your own luck and um at the end of the day we just gotta take the the good minutes that we play in a game and and try and turn that into 60 and 
um, you know, you can't get down on yourself. If you're, if you're getting down on yourself, it's, it's going to keep spiraling. So, you know, you got you to gotta stay positive and do the best you can to, to take the positives out of the game into the next. Um, I know you're a team guy. You're focused on this team and this team winning. You know, whether you score or not, if the team wins, it's, a good, it's been a good day for you yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and the Red Wings. Uh, yet, do you have some personal goals? You have 11 goals this far. The most you've ever had in the NHL is 18. Do you, in the back of your mind, think, I, I want to get 20 goals? You know? Or do you, do you try to set some goals for yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, every player wants to set personal goals, you know, uh, to give you, you know, something to work for. But, um, you know, like you said, at the end of the day, if it's the scoring that's going to help the team get a win or if it's just, you know, a block shot or, um, you know, just a, a good solid game, you know, whatever, whatever it is, um, you know, that's the, that's the way I was, uh, you know, brought up and that's the way I've always played. And, um, yeah, obviously you know, I'm going to have personal goals that I want to reach and um, like 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 every player. You know, I, it, it was really funny. I asked you after a game uh, because it's off the top of my head, but there was a team that you seemed to have a little history with that you were – and you said, I have a little bit of a temper, I have a little bit of an edge. But you, it's good to have a temper. It's good to have an edge. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like when, when I'm not playing my game – um, you know, I, I get frustrated with that and, um, I know it's on me that, that I'm not, you know, playing as competitive as I want or something like that. So, um, you know, in my mind to go out there to, to get me back in the game is, you know, go get a hit or, you know, go make some contact, you know, get the feeling of the game. And, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> sometimes it'll get the best of you, but sometimes, you know, it, it makes me, it helps me turn my game around in, in that game. And, um, I use it to my advantage. Right. Well, you got to you got to have emotion, you know, yeah. and, and you definitely do. Robbie Fabry, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's great to have you here in Detroit. It's great to see you wearing the red and white. It's great to have you as a Red Wing and uh, continued success for many many seasons here as a Detroit Red Wing. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.